0: What's up, everybody? Welcome to episode two of the Between the Hashes podcast. I'm your host, John, with James and CJ. Um, We're here during the aftermath of the Notre Dame-Michigan battle that took place last week. Uh, As you can hear, James is is the
1: victor. Go liars, baby!
0: Thanks for joining us for episode number two. As I mentioned, I am John. That is James. The excited one, that's CJ to my left, the dejected one, um, <laughs> an wanna... episode two to you. Today we're going to discuss uh, that game, the Notre Dame-Michigan game, how that went down. You'll get takes coming from both James and CJ as their love interests of college football did battle on Saturday night. We're also going to get into a little bit of a roundup uh, of the week that was in college football. We'll touch on the new top 25 that was just released earlier today as well before transitioning into some NFL talk. So, guys, Notre Dame-Michigan, that was the big game this week. You two, uh, you guys were duking it out at James's house yesterday watching the game. I was there as a partial observer. James, as the victor, I'll defer over to you. What stood out to you during the game? What a game. Um, Both defenses
1: were... Well, mainly Notre Dame's came out firing, and Notre Dame's offense just had its way. And I'm thoroughly surprised at the play that Wimbush did. Last year, he does not make half those plays, and he just would panic, make huge mistakes. This year, he was cool, calm, calm, calm. (laughs) took hits, made great runs or to convert on third downs, keep the drive going. And his passes were extremely accurate,
0: which he did not see last year. He was a completely different player this year. So my take on that game, the defensive line for both teams was was the difference. They were the factor. I thought Michigan's defensive line was incredible. I thought Notre Dame's was incredible. And I think Notre Dame's offense handled that pressure much better than Michigan's did. And I think that was the difference in the game. Winbush made three, four, five throws, getting absolutely pummeled where he would drop a dime down the field for a big gain or he was able to escape the pocket and pick up a first down that way. Whereas Patterson was getting hit probably just as much, but he didn't nearly have the big plays that that Wimbush had on the other end.
2: No, not even close. Um, Patterson, I feel like there was the second drive of the game. Patterson, it was second and six. Michigan was driving when Notre Dame was like, Red zone. Patterson got hit, and he like threw up this lob ball. I don't even know how to describe it. It just floated. It was oh, and I think that was the breaking point. Because the very next play, pressures coming. Notre Dame's bringing bringing the house. Patterson like trying to move around in the pocket, just didn't have it. He just, it's like something didn't click in his head.
1: He got sacked. and pushed He got out sacked. Of field goal range. Pushed
2: out of field goal range, and that was just the, that was the theme of the game. Patterson just didn't have it. He just Wimbush was able to extend play after play just with his legs and his poise. He just looked like he
1: belonged in that pocket.
0: Some of those throws he made with somebody right in his face were incredible.
1: Yes. Yeah, but one big question that I said from last week was Notre Dame's offensive line, especially the left side, since their left side went right to the draft, right top ten. Left guard looked pretty good. I was very happy with him, but either tackle on either side got Wallace strictly or mainly by Winovich. Wino- Winovich was probably my MVP. If Michigan wins that game, it's because of Winovich. And the reason why they came back in the second half was because
0: Winovich was inside, pitched to tent, sat there and waited for the ball to be hot. Mm-hmm. He was already there. I made the joke during the game calling... Winovich Clay Matthews Walmart brand, or Clay Matthews Light, strictly because of the long hair flowing. But he looked a lot more effective than Clay Matthews has looked for the Packers over the last couple of years. He was a force. He was unstoppable. Absolutely. He brought it. He um he was in there almost every
2: single play, and even if he would he would get there and he would force Winbush out of the pocket and that's
1: how he just But then there was no nobody in sight to stop Winbush. No. You had Secondary zero spots
2: no I kept I kept complaining about that the whole game there was no contain and no spy they um it, basically the front floor did not blow the game for Michigan it was no, it, it was, was the secondary the linebackers were a little questionable too. It was well Bush had an outstanding game too he was Bush flying Bush was there everywhere. He played a big game uh would, would like to see more out of Kelly Hudson, he was re-watching it. he was in there for a few early plays but then he was silent for he game. was silent. Gary, Gary didn't really show up a ton either. He, he was getting pressure, but he just
1: – he didn't bring it the way Winovich did. Uh, a lot of question marks. Not too uh, – Well, it was – first drive, Notre Dame goes down there, scores. And then mm-hmm. Michigan start, kind of started to get something going, but then they um, couldn't convert on third down. They punted away. They uh-huh. punted down. Inside the five-yard line. Mm-hmm. They got it down inside the five-yard line. Notre Dame has to start there. It becomes third and nine on the Notre Dame's five-yard line. Pass right up the sideline. a uh, Mack made a huge catch, which um it was kind of questionable about headhunting on that play. Oh, that was the targeting call? That was the yeah. targeting call, which your best safety got thrown out, which... No,
0: It was targeting
1: when you – yeah, it was targeting, but, I mean, it was a stupid play by your safety. And then it comes back – and then it comes back to a third and six Wimbush scrambles for a first down. They get out past the 50. Next play was a touchdown to think. Yeah, that was a nice play. Um,
0: That ball was in the air for 56 yards. A couple things that stood out to me, too, is at least early on, and I don't have numbers in front of me, but Michigan couldn't run the ball to take any pressure off Patterson. I 22 that, looked like a stud. He, he ran big hard. Big he ran hard. There was just nowhere for him to go. I think if they could have ran the ball or set up some screens or something, maybe they could have taken a little bit of pressure off of Patterson, and maybe they could have got some drives going. Um, and Michigan's defense really found their groove later in the game. It was just kind of too little too late at that point. That first drive that Notre Dame led for the score, they were moving the ball at will. Yeah. And, and Michigan didn't have an answer for them right from the start. Well,
2: here's the key number 21 first half points Michigan led up to Notre Dame. It's That, that killed them. If, if Michigan played the way they did the second half throughout the entire game, this is a different ball, game. A completely different. You just can't take a hole like that for yourself. Exactly. And Wimbush was just able to just stay calm and extend the plays with his legs. he just he, – we made him look
1: like a star. Well, that and what was going on with your team at the end of the game?
0: Clock management. That, that was right out of the Andy Reid school yeah. of black management. I was about to say, I thought Andy Reid was in the pros, not in college. It, it was – I mean, they're taking – 25, 35 seconds to get up to the line of scrimmage, down but by then, two scores. Even though after they score and their defense comes
1: up, huge, immediate three and out. They get, they the, get, the, ball. Yep. Yep. They get the ball right back. No timeouts. They're dri- driving down the field, surprisingly, moving kind of calm, which, I mean, you kind of want to be hurry, hurry, hurry. They're draining 20 seconds off. But then every play, 20 seconds. The last play, did you actually watch what happened? Because Notre Dame only rushed 4 Mm-hmm and 53 was lined up on the the right your quarterback's right side. Yeah. When they pushed three, he ran around and both your left tackle, your center picked him up and tried to follow yeah. with him. But then your left guard who was already blocking somebody pulled to go with him and then nobody picked up who the left guard was um blocking, yeah. which was 99 who had a clear shot at Patterson and knocked the ball Sack, out. Sack fumble. Yeah. End of game. End of game. She was stuck with Dylan. I like, I like McCaffrey. McCaffrey came in. I like what he had. Yeah. He was looking good. And you know what screwed him was because the second Patterson said he was good. How I was like, all right, go in. Yeah. And then he'd do one play, two plays came out. And then what's, what's that doing in McCaffrey's conference? He's like, you,
0: you don't have faith in me. That's hard because if you've got the guy in Michigan thinks they do with Patterson, you play your guy no matter what. Yeah, right. but when you have a drive going down the field when you're down by two touchdowns, you kind of go with
1: the hot hand. That's yeah. why I don't envy being a coach. See, and this has been the pitfall of Michigan for a long
2: time. And Jay, I know it's only one game, but Jay Patterson was hyped to be the Messiah, come I and save Michigan football. Not a strong first performance. I, I know there's a lot of issues, but I expect more out of him, especially on a big game like that. So, where does Michigan go from here? I think, I mean, you still got to give Patterson his due, but we have McCaffrey. We got Joe Milton, Brandon Peters, who started a few games last year. So, Michigan has to dip into that quarterback tree. A little bit more developed than years past, but he's still got to give Patterson his due. It is one
0: game at the end of the day. How about um, the rest of the year? Are they going to contend for Big Ten?
2: Yeah, I still think so. I think I'm hoping this is just a wake up call, but. Luckily, it's not. It's a non-conference game, so it's really not going to kill them that much. True. Especially if Notre Dame continues the trend that they they're going to, and they have high expectations for them this year. So if they win out and they get a top ten seeding, that's good for Michigan. That, sure. it's a quality
0: loss. Early loss means less. Exactly, than, than a, a late lot loss. less. So, a lot less. Is Notre Dame going to make a playoff push? Um, I honestly
1: had them going ten and two, like. And that's a favorable ten and two because I'm a homer. <laughs> but I figured Michigan was gonna be a loss because their defense looked astounding on paper. And Stanford is, I think, just too good of a team this year. That I don't I think that's one game where Brian Kelly gets inside of his own head and he just loses. Um, but then the rest of the year could have gone either way. What I like most now is that they came out, they beat Michigan. That second half, they couldn't really get anything going, but they were already ahead so far. I think Kelly just let off the gas. But next week, they got Ball State, which I think is just another scrimmage to learn relearn the basics, find out what you're weakest, and get and them. become yeah, and fix the kinks that you have. Try to see what works, what doesn't work. And then by the time we get Stanford in a couple of weeks, we could actually contend it if we can go 11 and 1 and Stanford is going to have a great season this year Stanford goes 11 and 1 12 and out it looks great for
0: Notre Dame being 11 and 1 and their only loss being to Stanford the game lived up to the hype that was for sure um James is Notre Dame fighting Irish take round 1 they're playing each other 2019 yep. correct yep. October 20 uh October 26 and Ann Arbor start the countdown 400 some odd days yes sir awesome let's go so let's roll right from notre dame michigan into the roundup of the college schedule that was week one to start were there any games that jumped out to you guys initially anything that you wanted to highlight um okay so i'm just gonna start with uh maryland texas maryland
2: uh coming off the death of um jordan mcnair uh freshman old lineman you know there's a lot of lot of Pressure riding on that team, especially with uh, the head coach being put on indefinite leave. You know, he might not come back and coach this team. And Texas, a lot of pressure on them. Tom Herman, second-year coach. Expectations are high in Austin, but Texas is Texas, and they still find a way to lose the big game. Uh, still not back. Still not back yet. Nope. <laughs> mm-hmm. They're far from the days of Matt Brown, but yeah, that was that was interesting to see because I didn't know what to expect from Maryland, especially like I said. Back Canada, he was the offensive coordinator at LSU last year. Didn't get along with Coach O. So people didn't know what to expect. But,
1: yeah, they, there's a solid win by Maryland. Yeah, it, that was very surprising. I figured Texas would have won, but not convincingly. But Maryland came out, played their game. They got hyped. They were ready for that game. Texas was not. But what was very classy is they came out with their open guard spot, mm-hmm. uh, guard spot took the delivery That was really game, cool. Yeah. And then Texas denied it. Was like all right. I figure what you're doing. I'm going to decline the that, penalty.
0: Let's play. It's always nice to see sportsmanship things right go yeah. on like that. Especially once you get to sports at that level, they're so competitive, and you want to just beat the bag out of the guy in front of you. Right. Mm-hmm. But like, when, I think if that happens against the Patriots, the Patriots like no, push him back. <laughs> yeah. But it's nice when when things happen that are bigger than sports, and everybody involved kind of recognizes it. Right. That's that's right. always good.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: Um, for me, it was yeah. Miami getting trounced. By LSU in in the neutral site game. Um, That was, I mean, obvious for us. We had him going,
1: we had Miami going into the top four to make the playoffs and sleeve us.
0: Still non conference, remember that. Non conference early game, Mm -hmm. but you expect when you're ranked eighth
1: and a 25th ranked team crushes you. Yeah, that's that's hard to come back
2: from. But what if LSU finishes top 15 this year and they contend in the SEC? I mean, it's still not going to kill, it's not going to bury Miami. Right, but there goes that's their not playoff the worst loss. No, but that's not... I wouldn't say that crushes their playoff hope more so than another game that was a, that was a
1: big loss earlier no, this week. No, but with the rest of the games that happened this week, it's hard because there was a lot of convincing wins and a lot of good, grey wins, mm-hmm. especially Auburn and Washington or that's, vice versa. That's what I'm talking about. Yeah, that was a great game, but... I, I, I think that we just shot ourselves in our own foot by saying Miami is going to make a playoff.
0: Because after that, I don't see him making a playoff, especially after that performance. I'll segue to that by calling myself out, as we said we were going to do to start this podcast, um, in that I picked Washington to be in the college football playoff, and they could not get their stuff together against Auburn. They could not figure it out. It was a
1: well-fought game. They did not look as good as I thought they were going to look. That hurt the Pac-12 more than
2: they will ever know. That that discredits Stanford, USC, Oregon. I feel like
1: that that it's a lesser conference. And that just proved it. That was a big loss. Well, it's I mean, at, the SEC has been at the top for how many years now? It's got it's not going to happen overnight. One, that <laughs> we'll, one let's say one team. One team makes it into the. Uh, <laughs> one team makes it into Clemson a- too. Clemson's another powerhouse. You can't you can't count them out. But then Washington was not their saving grace to all of a sudden make every other team in that conference better. The That's basically chance, what I'm
0: trying to say. Best chance I of mean, making the playoffs, though. Right. But. So that being said, we get our, our new top 25 that came out. Was it today? Yesterday? It came, today. Out today. It came out today. Came out today. Any surprises for you guys? Anybody who dropped out? Anybody who got boosted back up? Um, I'd say... Let's see LSU jumping up from 25
2: to 11 was a big shocker for me. That was huge, decisive win. But I mean, that's a big jump.
1: That's a huge, that's a huge jump. Huge jump. Turnover chain, my bleep and bleep. <laughs> but <laughs> that's, that's what screwed Miami is they just couldn't turn the ball over or couldn't get a turnover. Uh,
2: let's see new additions. We got South Carolina 24, Florida 25. Not up too ground, or, you know, earth shattering there um michigan dropping to
1: 21 that's my biggest surprise there i don't think they should have dropped that because it was yeah but it was i mean when you really look at the rankings it was 12 versus 14 they came back it was only a seven point game it when you're watching it it looked worse than what the stats show but dropping all the way down to 21 i think they should have dropped to probably 18 I'd say they're probably where they deserve to be. At least they're ahead of Miami. Around 8, 17, 18, 19. Yeah, definitely ahead of Miami, but dropping to 21 is way too low for Michigan. It was a big drop. Uh, let's see. Um,
2: your top five, Bama, Clemson, Georgia, Iowa State, and then Wisconsin. Surprised about the two ad, uh, flip-flop at 4 and 5. Right. I know Ohio State won 77-31. Wisconsin played a solid game. Jonathan Taylor crushed it. I think that's still too early on Ohio State. Might be a little biased, but still think Wisconsin's superior
1: there. I figured Washington and Auburn would have just swapped spots. I figured uh, Auburn was going to go to six, which is Oklahoma, which they had a great game. I just don't see them as being number six, though. I think Auburn should have got six. I guess you could put Oklahoma at seven. Notre Dame... I guessed right at going at eight when I did the math out yesterday, and And Washington dropping out of top ten is a big surprise for me. I figured they would have stayed at nine. Numbers guru.
0: So the first week in college is always interesting, and this is where I get to get on my soapbox a little bit as the college football noob who's trying to warm up to it, but who much more strongly leans to the pro game. And I think I kind of nailed down why people who don't like college football actually don't like it. Mm -hmm. And when you look at the games this weekend, and I'm only counting Saturday and Sunday, not the opening games on Thursday or any Friday games. I counted out of 20 games. There were five good ones that were worth watching. The LSU game, the Maryland game, both of those were upsets, upsets. The Appalachian State-Penn State game, which was almost an upset and went to overtime, was a great game. Another great game. The Notre Dame-Michigan game was good. And uh, the Florida State-Virginia Tech game was another good one. There are just so many cupcake games those first two weeks in college football that it's borderline unwatchable. And I split that up into two categories. One was ranked schools that were facing an unranked opponent. The average margin of victory in those games was 32 and a quarter points. And then when you look at unranked but recognizable programs, teams like TCU, teams like um, along those lines, yeah. their, their average margin of victory was 50 points. So that stuff is just un, you, it's unwatchable to me. And I think a lot of people who are trying to get into college football, they turn on a game like that and they see TCU beat Southern U by 40 points or whatever that may be. And it's just pointless to watch at that point. And I know that it's a very small sample size. It's the early games on the schedule. But these are what those noobs like myself typically see. They're not in there during November games watching all the Big Ten classic matchups or the shootouts in the Big 12 or anything like that. So um, I think from my point of view, that's where the disconnect between college fans and not college fans lies. Right. But I think because we were just talking about this a little bit while ago, me and CJ, where
1: was your biggest problem of you not being a huge college fan is because around here. It doesn't exist. It, college football does not exist except for BC. BC is the only one who ever last gets last close. Football. And that it's the last time they were in the top 25 was in 08 when they had Matt Ryan. Mm-hmm. That's the last time they've been ranked. They're close now. They're at 28. They actually have a good program this year and they might crack into the top 20. They have a good chance to they have their running back is on the Heisman watch. He could have a great season, but you go out Midwest or the down south where all those huge schools are. Oh, I'm sure. That's all they live and breathe. I'm sure college football. And it's tough when you're trying to get into college football around here is because the ACC isn't
0: outside of Clemson.
1: Outside of Clemson. It's very tough to compete in that. So if you have your your Alabama, your LSU's, your Georgias who are playing who get these easy games against these teams who are just you kind of hope to beat up on those teams because you know it's going to help you later on in the year to have that point differential and to help you boost up the standings when you have
0: a tough loss. Sure, but I think that's part of the problem. I think it's ridiculous that teams like Alabama can schedule a game with southern christian wyoming community college just to beat them by 80 and that'll help their point differential and help their case for a playoff spot i that just doesn't sit right to me i like in the nfl how the schedule is made by a third party you go out there and beat the teams that are assigned to you and you are in your playoff spot but that's
1: tough being i could agree because tough being a noted aim fan you don't actually belong to a conference also ridiculous we have in cahoots with the ACC, but what hurts osmosis that we don't really have a conference. We don't have that conference record. So you'll never have the conference
0: championship on their record, right? Which helps
1: out some last minute teams to sneak into that fourth and final spot. But in fairness, though, Notre Dame chooses to go independent because they it's choose out to. Of their I know a lot. That's my gripe about
2: this team that I love oh so much. So, John, a lot of the times, really, what it boils down to is money. So, like, you'll see these schools, like these crap-tastic schools. Like, what do you say? Southern <laughs> Alabama, Alabama Community College? Great term, by the way. Yeah. They're getting paid out millions of dollars. To oh, I'm sure. Game. So that boils down to it. But at the same time, so, yeah, you're right. While you may have a mixed bag of games, you also have your Michigan, Appalachian states where sure. the upset does happen. It, 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 I think that adds to the allure a little bit. But I, I, I could see where that would unsettle. Some people, mm-hmm. because you're right, it, it, is, uh, it is annoying. Like, you go to this game, you're like, okay, we're going to win. So, like, you're not as invested into it. It's... I, I mean,
1: it's, I don't know. I, but I just, it's, But if you're a fan of that team that goes against this no-name team and all of a sudden you're in the fourth quarter and you're down two points... Oh, it's parent Oh, parent- boy. does so
0: so that game get exciting? I, I will give it to college... College basketball, college football, doesn't matter. Upsets in college are outrageous. Yes. I, I root for them every time, except
1: when my team's like, When oh, Notre oh, Dame's oh, involved. <laughs> when I'm waiting for my team to come on the TV, I'm rooting for the biggest upset. Oh, give still me the, the other dogs. I love it. Oh, yeah. I love Rip it. the goalposts down. <laughs> yeah. like a mess out of the stadium. <laughs>
0: yeah. yeah. So, I mean, I can see it. it it's all going to come down to the money right if a school like that is getting paid by alabama and they're going to get some national recognition for it as well put mm-hmm. their kids in the spotlight they're going to do it oh yeah it's it's just kind of crazy that teams like that get to handpick who they beat the back out of the, right. the first year so with that unless you guys have anything else we can move on to nfl go uh, on to a do t- couple topics there So in the NFL, uh, big week coming up, week one. Guys, we finally made it, my fellow NFL fans here. We are there. We finally made it after the long, cold, dead days of summer. Fall is upon us. (laughs) And we're here for NFL football. Figured first we could get into some cuts and free agents available. Uh, Cutdown day was Saturday, I believe, by 4 o'clock Eastern time. All teams said to have their rosters at 53 or below. Their initial 53, not their final 53, as those are always fluid and always changing. A uh, few no- few notable cuts from teams. A couple veterans changing teams, potentially, uh, and without jobs. So I just wanted to go over a few that really jumped out to me. I, first of all, I didn't think there was any huge bombshells like there have been in not, past years. Not like, that many. No, no real, real crazy cuts that we weren't expecting. I thought Dan Bailey, the kicker in Dallas, getting cut was, was surprising. Agreed. 100%. didn't see that coming i saw on twitter not sure if this is totally accurate or not but i got a kick out of it i saw that bailey was cut and the cowboys are actually going with the kicker who dan bailey beat out for the job five years ago which is totally bizarre yeah. and something that would only happen in dallas if that's true but i got a kick out of that gotta love jerry jones i mean jerry jones is gonna be jerry jones he's, jerry's gonna be jerry I got it. Brian Robeson was an interesting cut from Minnesota. He's a defensive lineman, defensive end. He's up there in age. I want to say he's thirty four or thirty five. He's Hold just captain, right? Yeah, he's yeah. just been a, a consistent starter for the Vikings for a decade. Uh, I've seen him hit Rogers quite a few times right. as a Packer fan, so I was interested to see that name. And then a few others, uh Paxton Lynch, former first round round pick, is out Not of jobs. Not Not by Chad Kelly. He's, he stinks, but it's always interesting to see a first round pick get cut a couple of years into the contract. Uh, and Brashad Perriman for the Ravens, another that was former first-round pick. That was I, big. I, I think he could help a team. A huge one. I think he could help a team out looking for some wide receiver depth. So those are big, vast, Patriots. those are really? those are some that jumped out to me. Were there any that stuck out to you guys? Um I Corey Coleman. I thought that yep. was very interesting. <laughs> yeah. Cut and traded. Cut
2: and traded. I, I was surprised Buffalo's
0: given giving up on him so quick. Um, they're eating over $2 million in, in dead cap by cutting him as well. So not only did they trade a pick for him, they're eating up cap, uh, salary cap space by cutting him. And let's draft the quarterback the first round. And let start. Nathan Peterman. Nathan Peterman, baby. Did you see Buffalo's hype video for Nathan Peterman? That by was, the way. That's seven seconds. It's, 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 it's embarrassing. embarrassing. Was, I was
1: it him just walking out of the tunnel? It's embarrassing. So you got to check, the check it out. Gatorade
2: with the headset on? I have to watch that. Uh, Roberto, Roberto Gallo. On a second round pick, of Tampa Bay. Oh, box! What a disaster! Um, Yeah, got cut by the Chargers.
1: You see his cousin or his brother? brother. At FSU, yeah,
2: completely shank him left and right. Runs in the bloodline, I guess. Uh, And then another big one: Vincent Valentine started last year for the Patriots, put up decent numbers. Actually, already signed with Detroit. Yeah. So Patricia obviously liked him. So kind of surprised Belichick let him go.
1: And uh, Marquise Flowers also yeah. to Detroit. Oh, he also went to Detroit. Yep,
0: Patricia's taking his guys. Yeah, so. one other that jumped out to me was Martavis Bryant. Uh, and he Not got surprised. he got cut by Oakland pending another suspension yep. from the NFL. So he just Not can't surprised. get it together.
1: Not surprised. And, and every single
0: report coming out there, he was dumb as a bag of rocks, too. He just wasn't there mentally. Could you imagine having the opportunity that he had working with Antonio Brown? Juju Smith-Schuster now, Big Ben, Le'Veon Bell being well, a part of because of Juju, auction. they shipped them out of
1: here. I know, yeah. but
0: would they have shipped him out if he wasn't a total basket case? I'm going to lean probably not. Probably not. Could you, know, you imagine? he was always
1: left on his contract.
0: If he was in a contract year, yes. Yeah, I don't later. know what his contract looks like. Yeah. But, I mean, that, that nucleus would have been – it's good as it is. And then if you throw Martavis Bryant's talent back in there without him being a total psychopath. Right. Yeah. that could have really been something crazy. I thought it was funny when they traded for
2: him but they cut my cat king for the same reason for the for like yeah, the same yeah. bull crap. Like yeah. I thought there
0: was John Grun, don't even get me started on him. <laughs> you know, we'll touch oh, on, him on him in a little bit. Um, I do think there's two interesting names that are unsigned to uh, Eric Reed, the former San Francisco 49ers safety. all about it. Yep. Him. yep. Uh, and and Des Bryant, who for some reason not is not on a team. I'm, not I'm sorry very different reasons, but yeah. Two very different reasons I'm surprised Des hasn't caught on somewhere. There was the I'm, report that Cleveland offered him the contract that I'm he not didn't surprised. take. <sighs> There are so many teams who could use wide receiver help.
1: Yeah, uh, he shows up on game day, but Tuesday to Saturday, what the hell are you going to get? Yeah. I'm, the guy's a
0: nutcase. That hasn't stopped teams in the past. It no, that it just it hasn't won. stopped. It's, well, it's, never.
1: Yeah.
0: And it's all – i am he's lost explosiveness. He isn't the same guy he was four or five years ago, but he could help a team like the Patriots or the Ravens or somebody like that who the needs Patriots a receiver. Side of
2: I know. Yes, they definitely need all the help they can get.
0: I know. Um, but anyways uh, – the elephant in the room, biggest NFL transaction of the weekend. We touched on John Rudin being a nutcase. yep Khalil Mack traded to the Chicago Bears. Full terms of that deal were Chicago gets Khalil Mack, a second round pick in 2020, and a conditional fifth round pick in 2020, with Oakland receiving Chicago's first round pick in 2019, Chicago's first round pick in 2020, Chicago's third round pick in 2020 and a sixth-round pick in 2019. Still better than the Ricky Williams trade. <laughs> <laughs> An entire draft class for a running back? Oh, Great point, great point. And then you add on top of uh, everything that Chicago gave up to get Khalil Mack, they then proceed to sign him to a six-year deal worth $141 million with $90 million guaranteed uh, and $60 million just to sign. Enormous investment. In one of the best edge
1: rushers in football, right? But I just want to say goes to your points for picking Oakland way too early. <laughs> <laughs> they go from being one of the probably one of the most fun teams to watch this year to going into a rebuild mode.
0: Here we go. I don't know That's about rebuild year. mode. I mean, their defense stunk last year with him on the field. Fun fact: they were twenty fourth in the NFL in sacks with Khalil Mack. Yeah, and Chicago Khalil. was yeah. seventh. Without really? Khalil Mack. So that's an interesting dynamic there. So now your Animal defense guns, yeah. just Ooh. got worse. Yes. Thank you conceding to the Chiefs. It's not even the dawn of week one. Oh, but I'm there. There are 16 games to be played, my friend. And all of them without clue. How Mack. many
1: bold predictions are you going to have this year? <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah. I'm not having any bold predictions. I'd pick my but Chiefs. I was making so the playoffs. Fire up yeah, the oven yeah. so See, you can take mine. your time. out That's fine. It. I haven't had a bold prediction this year. I already picked the Chiefs to win it last week if you were paying attention. But no, you I guys didn't... picked Oakland, so now I'll pick it on you because you guys just lost your best player. That's fine.
0: Uh, and Jordy Nelson we're... is
1: still on the Oakland Raiders. <laughs> I'll stamp this we i going
2: to go back at the end of the year. And
0: let's see who's right. But anyways, <laughs> Chicago giving up some serious draft capital to win now, which is bold mm-hmm. considering they're riding on Mitch Trubisky. Mitchell. Bold. No, it's not even Mitch. It's Mitchell. Mitchell. Excuse me. Mitchell. Excuse me. Um, I thought it was interesting. There were a lot of teams in the mix for Khalil Mack, it sounded like. My Green Bay Packers were in the mix. But uh, I think they were just going to offer the bare minimum because the they don't two? have
1: the draft class. But they wouldn't have the room to sign into a massive contract like that anyway. They would have
0: figured it out. They'd yeah, you make still, it happen. The final two, I believe, were Chicago and the Jets, which are what it came down it to. mazes I think the Jets have something. I think they have a crazy amount of cap space coming up in the next two years, so they could have front-loaded if that Bill's contract. going to be the
2: head coach long-term and.
0: Depends uh-huh. on what they do.
1: Shoulder shrug emoji. They yeah. weren't They Ooh. weren't supposed to be all that good. And the last season, they picked up some momentum. And, like, at the very end of the season, us yeah. Pats fans were like, that, that,
2: be that best that.
0: player is an absolute nut job, though, Robbie Anderson. <laughs>
2: yeah.
0: And when Robbie Anderson is your best player, that's, that's –
1: uh,
0: Yeah, but still, they found some chemistry somewhere,
1: and they strung up some wins right at the end of the year, which is helpful for his case. Or so if he can
0: start shrinking up something, especially with an actual quarterback this year. I do have one bone to pick uh, with with the Packers and not how they handled that whole Khalil Mack thing. They were in on it, and if they offered two fir- first-round picks for him, that's great. I It bothers me when people slam the Packers for not making any moves and not going ahead with that trade and actually landing Khalil Mack. It takes two teams to tango to get a deal done. Right, right, you right. cannot force a team to accept your trade no matter what you do. Right. And that being said – Apples to apples, if Chicago and Green Bay offered Oakland the exact same thing—two first-round picks, a third pick, and a sixth-round pick—which draft picks do you think are going to be more valuable? Chicago the ones Chicago. from the team quarterbacked by Mitchell Trubisky, or the first-round picks that would have been quarterbacked by some combination of Aaron Rodgers and Drew Brees? Probably Mitchell Trubisky. Right. Yeah. So I don't think that the Packers were getting that deal accepted, regardless, because of what the Bears offered. Right. But I also think.
1: The Jets probably would have had more to offer, but Oakland still has
0: to face them throughout the year. That was a part of it, is they wanted to get Mack out of the the NFC. NFC. Well, into the NFC, they only have to face them once every four years. Mm -hmm. Yep. That's a great point. That's exactly what I thought of as well. So that was a blockbuster. I am not looking forward to having Aaron Rodgers face Khalil Mack twice a year. Yeah, have fun with that. No, Uh, thanks. Week one will be interesting. Week No, I'll be interested to see how much he plays. I, I, pass rusher was pretty much line up, put your hand in the dirt, and go get the quarterback. So it isn't all that, no. that difficult. But you see you see injuries happen. You hear horror stories of guys who hold out and don't get a training camp. Yeah, yeah you know? he hasn't and been on a field till He since. hasn't played football since December. Yeah.
1: So that's – got to shake off some rust. And give me a little bit of
2: pressure, though, with all that money they just threw at him. You know they're going to expect about that. Oh, yeah. Oh yeah,
1: but it will be such a Chicago thing to push him way too much, and then he gets hurt and with the rookie the head season. coach. Rookie, rookie the, head, right? So yeah, that'll—that's that, yep. interesting. That front, him and
0: he's probably going to get hurt, and he's not going to be the same the rest of the season if he's healthy all year. That front, that's scary between Kolomac, Roquan Smith, Leonard Floyd, boy, okay. they, yeah. Um, yeah. speaking of week one, is there a a game storyline you guys are looking forward to coming up? I. Um, actually, for the sake of our argument last year, I'm excited to see
1: Niners-Vikings. Jimmy G, see if he pans out against a very good defense. And then Kirk Cousins, new, new Town. Total wild card. Total wild card, but he's got a lot of weapons. And, I mean, if Kirk Cousins can just be Kirk Cousins as he was at Washington, they're going to fly through that game because San Fran's defense isn't what Vikings— Defense. Oh, not even close. So if Kirk Cousins can get him in the field goal range, get him in the red zone, score one, two touchdowns, then I think the Niners are going to have a hard time trying to move the ball, especially with you have uh, a young quarterback. Still, he's game tested, but you still don't know about him. And then he has a lot of wild card targets. They don't have much. And then for McKinnon's weapons. out now, losing yeah. McKinnon. McKinnon's, I mean, who's of- their
0: best receiver? Is it? Uh, Pierre Garcon, Marquise Goodwin. Goodwin or Garcon? That's not much. They got Garrett Selleck, if you want the second best Selleck in the NFL. (laughs) (laughs) That's not much to to go (laughs) off. McKinnon's (laughs) a big loss. CJ, what do you think?
2: No, I got two. I'm going to go Pats, Titans, just um, I'm curious to see. Texans. Texans, thank you. Curious to see. Tom Brady's releasing uh, a new episode of Tom versus Tom. I'm curious to see if Brady's head is really in it. I'm here. Cuir- I'm, I'm waiting for the demise of the Pats. I'm just curious to see if they're going to show signs early on, or if they're going to fade, fade, whatever it's, whatever it may be. It's not. This is going to be a tough test for him. I'm curious to see how that game plays out. And then, of course, like you mentioned earlier, John Packers Bears Sunday night. Sunday night prime football. Time. That's probably the game of the week, in my opinion. I'm curious to see how collab. Uh, how Khalil Mack plays, how much he plays, and it's already a huge rivalry. So I'm just
0: that'll be interesting again. You know, I, I saw the other day, and I don't remember the exact figures, but in the 90 years or so, 80 years, the Chicago Bears and Green Bay Packers have played each other, whatever it is, they have scored the exact same amount of points against each other. Really? The exact really? same number. And they've played each other since the 20s, since the 30s. Which who, is wild.
1: Who owns the overall record? Who has them all wins? Green, Green Bay West.
0: overtook it. It was either last year or the year before. I can't remember so off the top of like my head. That's even it, It's within three or four games, yeah. That's insane. Yeah. Crazy. Crazy. One of the best rivalries in sports. It hasn't necessarily been that way lately because the Bears haven't been very good. Right. But when both teams are good, man, that that rivalry is kicking. Uh, the game I'm looking forward to is Pittsburgh-Cleveland. Ooh, good one. Coming – Coming off hard knocks, seeing how Cleveland's actually going to look when the game matters, seeing Tarad Taylor start for that team. The pressure's already going to be there with Baker Mayfield Mayfield sitting right behind him. I feel like every mistake is going to be crucified. (laughs) Do you say playoff implications? (laughs) Yeah, yeah. playoff hopefuls. (laughs) Playoff hopefuls. I'll be interested to see how that team came together and gelled over the summer seeing Jarvis Landry, seeing David Njoku. they got some weapons over there. I'd like to see if Gordon can actually hold it together to if, if and yeah, to see what Gordon's going to do. Very interesting. I, I think that their defense looks pretty good in the preseason. I think that team is is going to be interesting. They might even win five or six games this year. Who knows? That yeah, was only favored by three. That's because Le'Veon Bell hasn't reported to the team yet. So that's what um, I'm looking he for. He still hasn't? No. Not yet. So I'm looking to see if Le'Veon Bell is even suiting up on Sunday against the Browns. That's huge if he does it. It's, an, it's huge. It's enormous. Watch James Conner in fantasy. <laughs> <laughs> I also really, really like uh, Pittsburgh's rookie receiver, James Washington. Watched the Packers Ooh. preseason game with Pittsburgh, and he was a stud. He caught everything. He got vertical. He took the top off the defense. I think they,
2: don't,
0: I think they need wide receiver help. Really. I, yeah. Yeah. Uh, embarrassment of riches over there for weapons for for ben but i, I james washington looked really good but i think the big storyline is is levy bell and if he's going to report to camp um so there's a lot to look forward to with the nfl one little nugget i wanted to throw out there that i thought was interesting from the transaction wire this weekend is hunter henry tight end for the san diego chargers los angeles chargers sorry mm-hmm. torres acl in may in minicamp the Chargers put hunter henry on the pup list the physically physically unable to perform they did not put him on ir now the difference which i had to look up on pup the player must miss the first six weeks of the year so he cannot play for the first first six weeks Mm -hmm. and then that player has a five-week window to practice after those six weeks so if he is designated to be able to practice the player then has 21 days from his first practice to be activated to the 53-man roster. If the player remains on PUP, or I'm sorry, if if either of those deadlines pass, so if they cannot practice by six weeks, yeah. or if they start practicing and they're not activated to the 53 in three weeks, then they're left on PUP for the remainder of the year. It's essentially IR. If a player is put on IR at the beginning of the year, they have to miss eight weeks minimum, and they can practice after six weeks. And you only have two IR to return spots, obviously. So Hunter Henry tearing his ACL in May a couple months ago. They put him on the PEP list thinking that theoretically he could be able to play by week 11, week 12, week 13 of the year. So if they're still in the hunt come the end of December, come, or I'm sorry, end of November into December, come that Thanksgiving time. If LA is still in the hunt, they could be looking for their tight end to come back and give them a boost which would be an unbelievably fast recovery from a torn ACL. So I thought that was interesting. Now, will LA be in the hunt, though? That's the question. So We know the Chiefs aren't going to do anything. Uh, <laughs> come on. on. going to run away with that. But me. that's the thing.
1: No. I'm telling you, they're only putting on PUP. is because
0: they know they have two more team, uh, ACLs. That are going to tear throughout the season, <laughs> so they can save those two IR spots. But I mean, with that injury, it's always a given that it's see you next year. And right. I thought that was a very interesting designation coming out of LA.
1: life because they're saving rooms and they have. You I got two of them.
0: They it's, got a whole team to field. No, it's
1: it'd be interesting dynamic
0: to see if it actually plays out that way.
1: Yeah,
0: it would be remarkable. Wentz is coming back after nine months. He's mm-hmm. not going to play on Thursday, but uh, so so the report is. But even so, nine months is remarkable. Let alone seven. What's in the of? ETH uh, is a hell of a drug they, Dipping into uh, Adrian Peter Peterson's, Peterson's lunchbox <laughs> <laughs> Anyways big week coming up uh, Week 2 in college starting up Saturday week 1 in the NFL All eyes are going to be on Philly and Atlanta on Thursday night to kick us off Nick Foles Super Bowl MVP kicking things off for us BD Nick, BD Nick. <laughs> uh, We'll see you guys next time This has been Between the Hashes episode 2 um, Like us on Facebook, give us a shout on Twitter. If you guys have any questions you want us to answer, anything you want us to talk about, send it our way. We don't bite. Uh I am John. That's James. That's CJ. We'll see you guys next week. Have a good one.